With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, a little programming note before we get started here. We recorded this right before the Warriors game. Uh, As I'm talking to you right now, the Grizzlies just defeated the Warriors by three in overtime. Uh, They were down by 19 points and came all the way back, forced overtime, and then uh, just stepped up to get it get it done. And uh Jaw had had 30. D'Anthony Melton stepped up. Uh Kyle Anderson played the four down the stretch. Jaron uh avoided fouls in the second half to stay in the game the entire time. Had a, a big rebound or two. Um Bain had a you know he just did what he does. And uh it was just a great win all around. I wish we could have unpacked it a little bit more, but um, the schedule is just rolling at this point. So we just had to find a free night and it happened to be tonight. Uh, But we get into a lot of what we've seen in the first four games in this episode and the same themes still applied. So um, even with this Warriors win, uh, I think just about everything we discuss is something that is still applicable. So um, enjoy the episode and we'll be back with you very soon. Another episode of the Grizz Den Podcast. Brantley's in the house. Hey man, it's good to be here. This is literally your house. This is my house. I'm I love being at my house. Ty Smith Sr. is also Did you say episode? Isn't it edition? Don't you normally say edition? I guess I do. It's another edition. Another There we go. Feels better now. You listen. You listen to me, Ty. Yeah. That means a lot. I I did not catch that. That was impressive. I care. Wow. That meant a lot just then coming from you. Uh, by the way, Ty, you're rocking a fine shirt. Our new tee, baby. I don't know if you follow us on social media, at Grizzden, uh, on both platforms, maybe at Grizz underscore Den on, on Instagram, I believe, but we just dropped a new line of apparel. It's called the Grizz Minimalist Collection. Uh, you should go check out our site, grizzden.com, and... Uh, we're unbiased, but we think it's pretty fire. So you should check that out. Um, well, we are coming to you. Is your T-shirt tucked in? A hundred percent. That's the type of guy is Ty that is. Brand for minimalist. Big tuck the T-shirt in kind of guy. Absolutely. I guess you avoid, you know, fraying other issues. I gotta protect it. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. At all Ty costs. Ty is wearing. Like skinny jeans, 
a not jacket, that skinny. Our minimalist T-shirt that is like blue jean washed. Is that the tex- technical I, color? Washed denim. Washed denim. Thank you. That's thank you. I'm sorry. Bad con- bad pod here. No. And it's tucked in with what? What is that? A members jacket? What is that kind of jacket? It's my nylon bomber. Um, okay. called, uh, so the audience said it was created for this T-shirt is I'm sorry, Will. I'm really ruining this for you. No, but you're I just not. Want to paint the picture for this like, jacket's I'll... from a place called Hill City, which no longer exists. It's sad. Ty Smith Senior is just like let's just say so hipster, let's just right? say We're this going is... wardrobe. Blundstones are on as they are every day for the past seven years. This apparel is for the Midtowners. No free ads, Thank though, so I'm not going to say any more about Blundstone. Is that what you said, Bloodstone? Blund. Blund. Gosh. I'm not even going to spell it. All right, so we're sitting here on Thursday night. It is about 45 minutes before the Grizzlies-Warriors tip-off, so any content you hear right now is going to be pre-Warriors game. Uh, there's just so many games this week packed in that we had to find a time, and this is what worked out. Um, so that's what our takes are going to be based on. Uh, we will be getting together again, of course, in the near future to unpack what we see both in the Warriors game and anything after that. Um, but right now the Grizzlies are at two and two. Uh, they opened the season against the Cavaliers last week, uh, won that game. Then they went on a four game West coast road trip, which they're finishing up tonight, uh, beat the Clippers, uh, in crunch time. Uh, lost to the Lakers, heartbreaker there, and then last night lost to the Blazers, which was, uh, how how do we say, a very poor f- performance from the Grizzlies, the first one of the season. Um, but basically the premise for this podcast is we are going to unpack through four games what actually matters from what we've seen uh, out of the Grizzlies and what doesn't. So you're going to see a lot of content out there. And I'll be honest, guys. I do not do very well with the week one overreaction content because I know that it has to be published. All of these machines have to spit out their stuff, including the Grizzden pod. Um, I, I don't consider us part of the machine, but the content machine. we're here sitting. Yeah, we're we're sitting down talking about the Grizzlies, and this is what we have to go on. It's the textbook. It's the price of admission. I mean, this is why we get to make T-shirts. That's exactly right. Here it is, Ty. Um, but guys. In order to tee this up, before we get into the actual games, which we have plenty to discuss, not the least of which is John Morant's rise, but I want to, I did some digging earlier today on the very first week of last season, some of the articles that were published that were week one overreactions of the 2020 season. Are y'all ready for these? I'm I'm here for this. I'm excited. I was not prepared for what you're about to read to us. I know. I I intentionally held it back. All right. First point. Sacramento Kings will make the playoffs. That was a take that was out there because they started 2-0 and they beat the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. And guess what? They ended 31-41. and But Sacramento Kings will make the playoffs was a published thing. on a, These are all from major sites. Can we cite, can we cite this one? I will, MLA format? I should. Um, okay, this is another take. One of Cleveland, Orlando, or Indiana will win a playoff series. Guess what? They each started undefeated four games in. Two of them went 3-0, one of them went 4-0. They all ended, well, let's just say Cleveland ended with 22-50. and 50. Orlando ended 21-51, and 51, and Indiana... Uh, finished 34 and 38. None of them made the playoffs. Okay. Uh, the third one, the Warriors won't make the play in. 
They made the play-in. We beat the Warriors. So, I mean, that Suck wasn't it. a terrible take, but the Warriors started 0-2, and, and, of course, all everything that was written was like, the Warriors are terrible. Um, there were two different takes for the Brooklyn Nets, which were hilarious. The first one was uh, Brooklyn started 2-0 and in the season last year, and there was an article published that says Brooklyn should not trade for James Harden. They do not need him. Okay? The second one was the through 12 games, Brooklyn was 6-6. Six and six. There was literally an article published that was like, this is why Brooklyn will miss the playoffs. Okay? And I'll just run through the rest of these really quick. There's only like four, four left. Um, one of them is R.J. Barrett has arrived because his first game he scored 26 points. The rest of the year, he was literally a below-average player. man. Exactly. Congrats, my guy. Uh, um, Colin Sexton, after the first week, was the favorite for most improved player. Julius Randle won, and he also made an All-NBA team. I don't think Colin Sexton was in contention for All-NBA. Shake Milton, after the first few games, was the favorite for six-man of the year. Um, And then, finally, Precious Achua was the favorite for rookie of the year, uh, just a couple games in. So, listen, guys. All that to say, we need to put a giant asterisk on any overreactions that are made this week across the league. Um, However... We are still going to talk about the Grizzlies. And we are going to overreact. And we're going to overreact, probably. Cannot wait. Okay. Now, I've talked enough. Uh, let's hear from you guys watching the first four games in. It's it's kind of weird because I feel like sometimes when we get together, the the vibe of the room is based on what happened in the most recent game. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's take the four games as a whole. I mean, where do we start? All right. Can I go with my first Spitfire take? Go. Let's Desmond go. Desmond Bain is our second best player, and it's not even close. <laughs> and T- this, tell this me is, more. This is most recent game. This is first game. It's very clear the leap that this guy has taken in the offseason. We saw it in the little minimal summer league approach with getting him the ball in his hands. I just the dude is bowing people up playing defense. He there is never a time that he shoots ever anywhere that I don't think it that I think that it's not going to go in. Yeah. It's he's got that little patented this is would be an awesome t-shirt kind of like side clutch three thing that I'm not pretty sure is good form, but it works. What's well, his pump fake? Usually it, it, when you pump fake once as a shooter and then put it right back up like most people, that's not going to A lot of people in. relocate with a dribble, though. Exactly. He doesn't move his feet he whatsoever. Just, <laughs> which is so weird, but it works. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like he's cocking, you know? It's like totally. His, it's, totally. It's like a yep. little, man, that's going to be a great t-shirt. The bullet is in the <laughs> hole. Yeah. And it goes in like, not. can we somehow, could someone in the Twitterverse who's listening to this podcast put some stats up there and watch the next couple of games on what his shooting percentage is when he does that? That would be awesome. I know it would be some more tells me 100%. I mean, it's at least <laughs> Let's just go with 100. <laughs> yeah. I know he went like two for three last night's game doing it, I'm pretty sure, because he missed one and I almost like jumped out of my bed. Anyway, this is going to correlate to some potential other takes that I have. It's awesome. It says a lot about our squad's performance currently. I love what he's doing. I also think that it just is a great indicator of like the success that we've had in the draft and stealing him where we're at, because there are a lot of other franchises in, in our division who are sucking, who would love to have him. That's my take. hundred percent. Bain is the 
if I were to like draw up a two guard next to Ja, he would like his skill set would be what I would want to do. Totally. He is shooting 40% from three on basically eight attempts a game, which is wild. I know it's only been four games. Um, he's second on the team in plus minus at basically seven. Um, 88% from the free throw line. 50% field goal percentage, which is pretty impressive considering a lot of people talk about his short wingspan. He's still finishing around the rim pretty well. A lot of people kind of knocked him for that. I think the summer league stuff with like Brantley was kind of saying too is the ball in his hands. He's making good decisions. He's making plays for others. Uh, two and a half assists a game, which isn't a ton, um, but you can just tell he's like making the right play. And yeah, every time he lets it go, it's going in. It's been really great to to for him to get an opportunity that isn't. We were one of our debates at the very beginning of the um, year uh, was who do you start, Bain or Kyle? And ended up not even being an issue because of the Dylan injury. Uh, so you, you knew you were going to see Bain. What was then surprising was seeing Melton instead of Kyle. Uh, but it makes sense, I guess, when you factor in Steven Adams, but that's beside the point. Melton, or excuse me, Bain in the starting unit has just flourished. I mean, it's been awesome to watch, especially Brantley. You mentioned off the top. On the defensive end, he got the LeBron assignment the other night. Crazy. And did well. When he, like, deflected the lob against LeBron, that was just so sick. And yeah. LeBron, like, fell to the ground, and you thought, like, all of his arms fell off. And I mean, Bane just, like, to... trotted back down the court. It was just so amazing. Yeah. If you had a guy, like, if you know, let's just take it back to our college days, you know, like at the Turner Center. What was Mississippi State's, like, basketball? Sanderson, baby. Sanderson. If you saw Sanderson a dude Farm, with, like, Bane's shoulders walk up to you <laughs> and try to guard you, what would you think? I'd probably leave. I would cry. Yeah. I'd call fouls. I mean, all the time. <laughs> and pick up. Like, <laughs> the shoulders play the defense. That's not really a thing. I'm just now being a The shoulders play the defense. That's what they say. But, like, he's, he just, you know he's got strength to him. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, now and that it he, just it shows. Yes. Yeah, until you're, like, the fact that he, he normally wouldn't get the LeBron assignment. That's, like, why we have Dylan on the team. And we'll pro- maybe talk about our poor defense to start the year. Yep. Like, guys are having a guard out of position. Maybe not like play offensively out of position necessarily, but definitely having to guard out of position. Bain is one of those guys. Like Melton was assigned with Paul George the other night. Paul George has like seven inches on him. Like, and he, I mean, not ideal. Yeah, not ideal because we're kind of stuck in that spot right now. I thought, yeah, I think Bain's held up perfectly fine. Yeah, we right. all agree with the second best player piece. I'm curious to hear y'all's. Responses. In the first four games, I agree with okay. you for sure. Here's my response: They, he is right now. However, the Grizzlies will not be the best case scenario of themselves, best version of themselves if he is the second best. I player. agree with that statement. So it's like, yes, that's the reality, but you kind of wish that he was just as good, but there was somebody better. Well, you know? another thing is he's been, outside of Ja, he's the only consistent performer we've had. Totally, Jaron's shown flashes. Melton has shown flashes. Everyone is, uh, everyone who's gotten significant minutes, even like Zaire has shown flash. Like he's killing it from the corner three. Kyle has really struggled. You mean consistency flashes. 
No, I'm just saying like like Jaron had like some really good moments against the, against the Clippers. Even opening night, like offensively, didn't play well. But he had like four blocks, played really good defense. Right. Melton shooting 46% from three on like a pretty high volume. There was one stretch against the Cavs where he hit three threes in consecutive possessions. Everyone has like kind of shown flashes. But Bain like literally start to finish all 48 minutes of the game. He's been locked in and has been good. Totally. There hasn't been moments where he hasn't been a quality player and outside of jaw, every other player that we have has been inconsistent. I just feel like they haven't been good the whole time. And Bain has been. Yep. Um, Okay. I tweeted right before the season started because we didn't get together to do a podcast, but kind of put my predictions in the, in a tweet. And I said, barring significant injury, I think the Grizzlies record at the end of the year is going to be 44 and 38. I think we'll be the seventh seed in the playing tournament, and I think we'll make the playoffs from that position. I think as far as the expiring contracts go, Kyle Anderson will be extended and Tyus Jones will be traded. And then the last thing I put in there is just player accolades. And I said John Morant will be an all-star reserve and the most improved player. And then Desmond Bain will be the top three, will be in the top three of three-point percentage in the league. Now, uh, we just talked about Desmond Bain, but let's talk about John Morant. Um he is leading the league in scoring, at least as of this recording. Still, yeah, he still is. Um, thirty and a half points per game. Thirty and a half is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah. Uh, and then he, I think it was just such a weird experience as a Grizzlies fan to see John Morant in the national spotlight, even prior to the ESPN game against the Blazers, because he showed up on set at the ESPN like NBA Today show with Malika Andrews, which was so funny. I just think it's so. Um, unexpected, uh, weird, uh, I don't even know the right word, but it just doesn't feel right as like seeing a Grizzlies player in the spotlight uh, nationally, and yet John Morant did just that. And he's playing, in my opinion, at an all-NBA level right now. Uh, he had nine turnovers last night against the Blazers. I think that was a complete anomaly. In fact, it was the most in his career so far. And he's played a bunch of games now. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up as far as what matters. Now, I do think John Morant's numbers are going to regress a little bit. I mean, just because he started so hot. But one thing that I that really stuck out to me was his usage. Right now, he has a 32.4% usage rate. Super high. That is fourth in the league. Can you guess who is above him? Luca, Trey, LeBron. Luca is. Trey is not. Trey's not. LeBron's. Yeah, I guess LeBron now is kind of down. Two more uh, above him apart from Luca. Uh, Giannis and Bradley Beal. I was going to say Brad Beal. So, Giannis. right now. And then I looked at what are the top usage percentages for a season? Like, what's the record? Now, James Harden is at the top. James Harden and Russell Westbrook had couple of seasons in the 40s, which is just absurd. But if you look at the top 100 all time, the bottom of that top 100 list is like above 32%, but not quite. Jaw is like in the 80th range right now if he were to retain this usage. Now, we do have to throw in the caveat, Dylan Brooks is not playing, and he's going to eat up some usage. Also, you have to factor in Steven Adams is not going to take up as much usage as Jonas Valanciunas. But the point being is the Grizzlies are becoming this team that's going to have everything to do with how John Morant is playing, and it revolves around him, and I think that could go one of two ways. Either you get overly reliant, which we could see 
you know, one team, for example, right now is maybe Dallas. When you whiff on your second option, which is another conversation we need to probably have, uh, then your guy is left by himself. But if you're this good, you see Giannis at the top. It can work out. So, But the, the usage jump last year, uh, John Morant was at a 26.7% usage. He's jumped from 26 to 32 already. Hmm. So, Well, I, again, I can't say this for sure, but I do remember looking up Jaws' usage after like the first month or so of the season, and he was like fifth in the NBA like really early on. Um, I don't know really where we slash I want to take this regarding the high usage thing and versus like Luca, for example. I think we're in very different situations than Dallas, and I think right now we are truly trying to collect talent and collect players that fit around job, but we're still very much like in the collection process. And I think Dallas is like past that, and now they're stuck with things that maybe aren't what they need, and we're not necessarily tied to that as much. But to your point, I 100% agree. It's wild to me that Jaw has a negative plus minus. I think he's the only starter on the Grizzlies with a negative plus minus. Which he's played is, so many minutes. He has. He's the only player so far this year that's averaged over 30 minutes a game. He's at 34. I think the next highest is DeAnthony at 29. Um, he's playing a ton. But, yeah, to your – Josh has been – if he – he's – at the peak of his powers right now. He really is. So like he's doing anything. Yeah, it's just amazing to watch. So I'm this is me reading between the lines on a lot of stuff with with this and applying it to usage percentage. So I'm I'm probably reaching some. But I think when you combine the JV move, the the climbing endorsement for All-Star from you know, media days, which Climan has not historically offered many opinions like that ever it's been he's, very diplomatic he's very diplomatic with um what i would say jaws approaches from preseason to now it's been very clear to me who has the keys and here's the th- here's the other input and i think this is important to this entire consideration i can't remember which game it was after it might have been after the maybe the the Clippers game, where my boy Bain was being interviewed, and I don't have the direct quote because I didn't prep like I should have, so my apologies. But he was sort of being asked about John and Jaws' performance, and he basically was like, he's, he's the guy. He's our guy, and we're riding with him, was his sort of his paraphrase. So there's a couple of things that go along with that to me. One, first off, it's a gr- – unbelievable organizational health slash culture sign that someone right now who's performing like the second best player is pointing to the guy and saying, he's our guy. We're following him. He's our leader. The other side of it is that I think from just a, you don't, you don't have to be a super Grizz fan to just observe the games and see that Jaws the guy and he's clearly been handed the keys. Now the data, what you're saying has been demonstrated that, maybe we need to like back that down just to, to have a good performance. I'll just say where I'm trying to go with this is that I think that th- there has been a clear strategic decision made, in my opinion, n- whether that will play itself out all of the time. They are trying something different this season with jaw in a way that I think that we will see it p- assuming health throughout the rest of the season. It's a combination of, of, 
of roster construction and a clear, you're our guy, we're going through you, so much so that we're betting on you making an all-star game, like, top down. You don't just do that unless if everybody's bought in. And that includes the coach. For sure. I don't think there's a question. I mean, and it, it could bear itself, especially out in terms of his volume of shots. And that maybe not being an issue on nights when it's not falling. It's like, we don't care. We are, you have the entire team in support of you pulling up for another three if they go under the screen, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's the primary area where it could bear itself out. One side note, I think he should go back to the, to the, uh, to the braided hair. I don't think he should let it loose. First three games played incredible. It was tied up. This this past game, it was he let it loose and look what happened. Was, what do you think, that, Ty? Was that a sign of his approach to the game? Is that I don't know. Saying? I don't know. I love all hair choices by Ja. His hair is amazing. <laughs> I but I think too. Brantley just literally nailed it. It's like small market you. team. You got one. You got a. You got a chance to get a star. We're in this phase. We've talked about this so much. We have to like. It's kind of funny how we always talk about the edge players and players that like aren't stars and how they fit but i think at some point you gotta you kind of got to figure out what you have in a star too right so at some point we needed to just let jaw take complete reins and just see what he's got and to your point i think this year like we're, we've started out kind of doing that and now we're seeing what he's got so now it's like oh man like we've thought about this even last year there's even the playoffs and the play-in like there was like hey jaw has a chance there's always like this kind of like glimmer of hope. Like he could be the guy. He could be, could be. And now it's like, no, he is. Like it's here. It's arrived. He is the guy. Like we don't need to find anyone else. We've That's like been confirmed. It's been four games. So I get we all need to probably pump the brakes a little bit. But He's the second best well, point guard in the league. We're trying to tell. Oh, okay. Whoa. See, that's there. He is. But we need to find that out. To that. To my well, point, we just need to see if he can do that. Well, that's the thing is right now in this conversation, we're parsing through what matters and what doesn't, and we're saying like this performance absolutely it matters. matters. Jaw matters. Yeah. Yes. What he's doing matters totally. Um. Okay. Let's talk about something maybe that doesn't matter. Anything at the top of your minds? If not, I can throw one out for you, and you can tell me whether you agree or disagree. Let's hear it. Okay, um, I would say that Kyle Anderson's field goal percentage right now does not matter. Because he won't be on the team after the trade deadline? There he is. See, this is what I was hoping. We might get into it. That's Um, exactly. I have this in my... We are... I hate to say that. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me me make the point, and then we can get into (laughs) it. Uh, Kyle Anderson has been in the league since 2014, okay? He's been in the league basically seven years. It's a good year. If you take his rookie year out of the equation... Um, he has never shot below 48% from the field, okay? Right now, he's shooting well below that. I just think that it's going to come up. Like, he's in a different role. He is completely adjusting to his new role. I don't think that Jenkins has given him the optimal guys around him for him to succeed. 100%. Every time he's gone in, especially in the first two games, uh, he has been with guys where he is having to be Maybe a number one option on offense, which is scary to say, but it's true. Mm. Um, and I think this last game with Jaron's foul trouble, he got into the starting sort of rotation unit um, and played a lot better, honestly. I mean, his shot's going to end up falling. I think the, the three-point 
shot is what's actually concerning because he's got the hitch back. He's mentioned his shoulder as kind of bothering him again. But I think inside the arc, um, just his general flow, he's too too much of an established player. We have way too much data on him to, to think that it's just going to change. Like, it's not. It's going to come back to normal. This is, to me, something that doesn't matter because it's going to come back to normal with the caveat that the lineup has to be right. He's not a guy that's going to impose his offensive will uh, no matter what. You have to put him at least with one other scorer, which I think when Dylan comes back, he's going to see Boehner Melton around him, and I think that can make all the difference in the world. So, yeah, now lay it on me. So What you got? I, I I'm I agree with you on the just from like a intuition perspective. I don't know this for sure. I'd love to actually see the lineup data for him, but I feel like every time I see him, I'm like, why? I never think the lineup that Kyle is out there is a good lineup ever. Through these first four games, he's been terrible. It's like he's had Tillman, Ties, DC, Tyus, him, and Zaire. It's right. like the five. Right. I'm like, what in the world is this with Conchar too? Conchar or Conchar? Right. There was a Tyus, Conchar, Kyle, Brandon Clark, and Zaire lineup like, at what, some point what, in the first game. Why does that? Why would anyone ever think that that's a lineup? I mean, I don't, anyway, let's not go there. I I just <clears throat> what I my response to this whole thing is that is with a question, can he be used if his three-point percentage stays where it's at now? I think he can because you're not going to uh, completely... I don't think it's fair to disregard his impact on team defense, which is a very big sore spot right now for the Grizzlies. They're like the top offense, but also in the bottom uh, like five in defense right now. And I think that part of the reason is because their starting unit, they relegated him to the bench and Dylan's hurt. And I think if Bain and Melton um, in the starting unit versus Dylan and Kyle in the starting unit, you're going to see a disparity in defense. And I think part of the reason is Kyle. So I think he adds, but I think playing around Ja, it's it's extremely important for your wings to be able to shoot. And I think that without correction... He is going to find himself in a really tough spot. It's going to be hard for Taylor Jenkins to justify uh, enough minutes for him to then be as valuable as he can be um, if he's not hitting shots. Because right now, that is the one area where it's like, I can't come up with an excuse for you, guy. Like, you just got to hit these. I think where he, I think he's best at the four, and a lot of people have mentioned that. We have four, I know we're trying to do the whole positionless basketball thing. So it's kind of, you know. Take that, I guess, with a grain of salt. But, like, he, he doesn't play well when there's two other bigs on the floor with him. When there's one other big on the floor and him, it, it seems to be a little bit smoother and better. The problem – well, not I, got, I don't know if it's a problem, but you have Jaron, who's clearly starting at the four, and then you have Brandon Clark and Tillman, who are technically also playing the four. I guess Tillman could also play the five. We tried to play the five with BC, and it just – he's – He's you know six seven. That's not his like position. Just, he can't. Do He's it. out of position. Yeah, he can't do it, and that's fine, right? I think we're maybe asking him to do too much, and so my point is, I think Kyle is just where he's best at is also where a lot of other guys are also kind of getting minutes. Hundred percent. But Kyle is the leader 
in minutes per game so far from a guy that's not starting. So technically, if you go by minutes, he's our sixth man right now. I also thought it was really interesting that immediately when Jaron got in foul trouble against Portland, the first guy to take his place was Kyle. So that put Kyle in his right position at the four, and that's where Kyle played all last year when he had a career year. So it's kind of like we kind of got to pick and choose. And Jenkins is really big on the 10-man rotation thing, but it's kind of like right now, like you all have said, we're kind of putting Kyle in positions where he's not – at his best, and it's showing. Well, he's, he's not just, being as good as he was last year. He's the odd man out right now. It's just hard to say any different just but because of the young guys that are. But he's still averaging more. Again, like I said, he's averaging more minutes off the bench than anyone else on the team. Totally. So it's it's kind of a weird odd man out in the fact he's still getting minutes, but it's just like we're putting him in spots that maybe he's not That's at his best. Yes. I think Pick two for this year, Kyle B.C. or Tillman. One has to lose minute. I'd go Kyle and Tillman if I had to pick two. I think it's that's a really tough because it is I feel like it's we even texted about this last night. It's it can be very matchup dependent. Totally. Like B C was just getting killed in the pick and roll by Nurkic because he's a six seven power forward. Like and then Tillman's got a little bit more size, a little bit more defensive versatility, so we you saw Tillman play last night, and he hadn't played much the last few games. So I think it's just – I think that can be a benefit too. But I do think it just kind of like – I don't know, the rhythm thing, and I feel like Kyle needs to be in some form of a rhythm to be good, and he just hadn't gotten in that. Again, it's four games. Right. We could look up a week from now, and he could be like clicking on all cylinders. But I do think it's very mindful to bring up the trade stuff. We'll talk about this a ton later, but like we're at a position where we either have to extend him to sign him to a new contract or – trade him i highly doubt this front office just lets him walk for nothing in the summer so that's going to be a interesting thing to monitor totally and i will say to those that are ready to trade kyle if you're going to trade him right now today you're not going to get anything for him you need him to play well in order to actually get something good for him and so i don't think you need to be out on kyle yet even no matter what side you're on um okay uh what else, guys, is something that you noticed in these first few games? So this is just solely eye test stuff. Uh, I, stats in four games is just really hard to, to come up with. Um, and this has kind of been mentioned, and maybe this is a little hot takey, but I truly think our offense flows a little bit better with Steven Adams, and I can't believe I'm saying it. Instead of Jonas. Yes. This is what you're Love saying. Yep. And I'm talking about offense, not defense, which is not expecting. I just wasn't expecting it. I think in the preseason, we didn't pod during that time, so we didn't really get it out there. I think we tweeted from at Grizzden Twitter. Ty's burner. Um, my burner, yeah. that I yeah. Him at the high post and just cutters all around is just awesome to watch. And it's not just like, it's literally everyone moving, and he just has the ball at an elbow, just like finding cutters and coming off ball screens. He's decent on the short roll. He's an offensive rebound maniac. I think him – and I was kind of going to mention this too when he talked about Ja and his um, usage rate going up, and a lot of people, Matt Hardlicka, friend of the pod, mentioned that the Jonas trade was like taking the training wheels off of our offense – 
I think Jaw's usage is an example of that. 100%. We have now, like, we got to find this usage in offense somewhere else. And Jaw's taking up that mantle, and I think that's great. You're seeing Bain do that too. But I think everything, like, in the half court just looks better with Adams. And I think that's crazy. And a lot of set pieces may not be better with him, but I think just, like, the free-flowing offense of cutters and movers. We have shooters on the floor now. You want you want some stats real quick to back you up? I, I'm of course I, would. I have three. Love this. He's averaging right now through four games. Steven. his career high in rebounds and his career high in assists, and he's also taking eight point eight field goals a game. And last year in uh, New Orleans, he took five. I think we're opening up. Steven yeah, Adams and I game. think Jenkins is like it's so fun that. It doesn't surprise me if they like saw him at doing a certain role and being like, "Oh, we could use that." And now they're doing it. And Stephen Adams talked about they talked about him like on the offensive, like they're not going to like throw him the ball and get him a bucket. And he's kind of talked about like no team's ever used me that way. I've never been used that way. And he was like, "If they want to develop that with me here, I'm all for it. But until then, I'm just going to do what they asked me to do." And I think it's kind of mm-hmm. funny that like, hey, we've asked him to be like kind of an offensive hub to like move the ball, keep the ball, maybe find cutters. Like We've asked him to do that, and he's developed it. And I think that's super awesome. He's kind of like, oh, this is about to make some people angry. <laughs> We're not running the offense through him, so don't hear this take. This is like a 25% take of what I'm about to say. But he's kind of like what we were using Gasol like, but we also expect the Gasol to score. Like, when I watch the pieces, like, Adams is always – Well, they're both – from the high post. He's always centralized from the high post, but we're not expecting any production from him other than like get us some tap backs, keep the maybe get us some offensive rebounds that don't count on your stat sheet necessarily. That's what I mean by that take. Totally. It, but Gasol, we expected him to be able to like they both drive the to same, the basket, score, yeah. you know, get twenty five points, whatever it was. They both have the vision for those cutters too. Uh that's been clear. Yeah. His cutting game, his passing. It's been great. It's unbelievable. It's been great. Kind of like shocking, honestly. Yeah. Like that, he threw like a bounce pass to Bain where he like put English on it. And he it knows like, how to he play literally spun players. it around. It was wild. It's also very refreshing to have a guy out there who is absolutely no drama, no nonsense. And not, that's not to suggest that anybody we've had in the past is. He's just an outlier in the NBA in which if there's a call that doesn't go his way that he doesn't like agree with, he literally just sprint back down the other way. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah, my dad would be so proud, you know? It's kind of like sportsmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I love, all right. I love that take. Let's you, let's you talk about one, about Steven Adams now. I mean, he's no, just No, 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 another take. I was just going to fire it up. Go. Yeah, I think we should talk about Jaren. Um, how are you going to phrase it? Can we all go around and say how we were going to phrase this take? We all have a Jaren take, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that there are parts of his game right now that matter, uh, and parts that don't. The thing that I don't think matters is his three point percentage is lower than usual, and I think it's going to rise. Okay. Um, I want him to keep. I want him to keep shooting, no matter what. He was open for his, he missed his first six threes last night. And I think five out of the six were wide open. That's going to fall. Like, it's a maker. We're, we're kind of a make or miss uh, team right now, uh, which is hilarious because we're not used to that as the Grizzlies. But when it goes in, we are scoring 
bukus of points. But right now, what's very concerning about Jaron is anything inside the three-point line. Uh, I have noticed a slip in ball handling, very simple ball handling. Uh, when he puts it on the floor, I'm nervous. He is uh, averaging less attempts at the rim than he has throughout his whole career right now. Um, the caveat here, number one, it's been four games. Number two, in a few of those games, he's played Anthony Davis, Evan, Mo- Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, and then in this most recent game, he played Yusuf Nurkic. And normally he should cook Nurkic from behind the three-point line, but as I just mentioned, he wasn't. So it's kind of like, ugh. Um, and then on defense, it's been really tough in the pick and roll to watch because he's made a lot of tough decisions. Again, he was playing Damian Lillard last night. Um, so a lot of caveats, but um, inside the arc, I'm very concerned about Jaron. So the way that I thought about this is that, so we can react to this, I'm giving Jaron 12 games a year that he can perform like he did last night where you don't notice him for his contract to be worth it. And I think that that may be too many. 12 out of the ones he played or 12 out of 82 in general? I'm thinking 12 out of 82 in general. So, like, let's just assume he's 100% healthy. For his contract, what he did last night, where you have have a clear need for someone to step up, your main guy's not playing – Trip has a contract where you sort of expect him to be able to step up and play a, or a number one or number two or whatever type role when you need him. And, and he is a no-show, is in foul trouble, can't hit shots, can't figure it out. Man, I'm, I, like, I, I want that guy to be successful. I'm just saying like for his contract, like that's a problem, and we can't have more than that. I think it's fair. For sure. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I kind of go, yeah. Last night was very discouraging. He just, he got, he had four fouls in like the first half, immediately in the third quarter, like picked up a fifth, and then he was, he was just never in the game at all. Non-existent. Um, looking at stat, again, I just, it's really hard for stats to matter because it's such a small sample. He is taking six and a half threes a game. Uh, which is second on the team. He's hitting 35%, which is not, like, awful. But to your point, he's 31% from field goals, and that's just brutal. He's He should be 60 inside the arc yeah. on average. And great, it's yeah. he's, he's kind of got the mark thing where he's a big, like, fader away at the basket. Like, he kind of, like, will fade away on it, even his, like, jump hooks. He's never, like, attacking the basket. He's, he's not moved. overpowering. Yeah, he and that's yeah. But it's kind of in the past. It's just like oh, he's young. He's still young, but like he's filled out. Like he's a pretty thick dude now. At some point, you kind of got to be able to just go up really strong, especially when apparently you're seven foot um, with a huge wingspan. I just think his. I don't know. It's kind of like maybe he's still trying to kind of like find his way in the offense because that was a big thing when. You know, Josh's rookie year, Jaron just started really slow. And then by the second half of the season, that's when it was like, oh, who's this guy? And maybe that's still coming again, four games. But yeah, I think, yeah, this is discouraging with the paint stuff and the post touches because his rookie year, he was really good at that. So it's now it's kind of like if his three point shot's not falling, like kind of where, what is he offering you on the offensive side of the ball? Defensively, I feel like he's best when we're like switching. 
and we haven't switched a ton um, to start the season. So what what makes Jaron so great on defense is like if he's the five and you're just switching everything and he gets switched on to perimeter guy, he can hold his own. We switched a lot in that Cavs game, I think, with him because they were playing big so much. Okay. I don't really remember. I feel like he looked really great defensively in that Cavs He game. looked great on defense. No, he I, had four I, blocks that game. Yeah, yeah, he was all over like coming on the help side for blocks. But to, like when you put him in a pick and roll situation like you were talking about, Will, he just didn't. Hadn't looked great doing it because I think we just, but it's tough to switch all the time. But I don't know about you guys, but I just keep, I mean, just yearning for a breakthrough game for him. I feel like we're always having to go to the stats to then basically say, oh, wait, no, he actually did have a good game. I don't know why it didn't seem like that when we were watching it. Like the Cavs game, for instance, we had to be reminded that he hit three threes and had four blocks or whatever. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I'm encouraged by that. I just wish that it was obvious. Yeah. You know, I wish that the impact on it was not a, um, I guess, fodder for nerds, but was more just like, you are impacting this game. You are taking it over. You are a number our number one guy for tonight. Yep. So, and a $100 million guy, you got to see that. Like, yep. you just do. Yep. That's right. It's the so here's the the way that I was thinking about it on this one because I just like I so much of me just wants John Tripp just to work together just as beautifully as we like dream that it could, and it's almost like the objective for him this year is to get back to what he was doing in the COVID play-in game in Portland when he got hurt. Like there were like moments when we were watching him in that play-in game and like the way that he was taking over, catching the ball at the elbow, driving in, finishing, like hitting step backs. I mean, he was doing some stuff and we were like, this is elevate. He's having his moment where he's going to go back and watch tape in his, in off season and realize this is what I've got to do to take the next leap. But then he got hurt. So it's like, you know, the contract thing does put now a different, the timing now changes with him as hard as that is we don't have a couple of years to wait and see if he can get back to that point he's got to retrain himself that that's where he was at and we honestly by all-star break need to see him trying those types of things and I think that's what's frustrating for me last night when I was watching him I was like dude it was so clear that we needed somebody else to step up like whether it was job being tired just yep. nobody hitting shots everybody just being lackluster Jaron had the matchup. He could have caught. He could have really been aggressive and taken over. If he hits three out of the six. And he it's just a different game. Off. Yeah, it's just a different game. And it's like, dude, you're now like our second highest in the future. Like starting next year, currently second or top paid player. He Show is it. next year. He's top player. Show top it. Paid. Yes, agreed. Um, okay, we're almost up to the Warriors game time. Let's let's say that uh, maybe we're time-traveling here and Jaron has a 30-point night and this looks dumb. Let's hope so. That could absolutely happen. Right. That could definitely happen. Yeah. Um, okay, I have three really small ones in the what-doesn't-matter category. Um, Zyre Williams has looked definitely like a rookie. Like, he's hit some shots, but past that, I mean, it's looked rough. But I think that with Dylan he coming played, back, he's he not... played decent defense last night. On Dame? One-on-one defense wasn't too bad. I mean, he was fine, but I'm just saying 
be uh, very gracious on our boy Z. Hundred percent. Because when Dylan comes back, he is not. He's getting like seventeen minutes a night right now. That's going to be cut in half, in my opinion. Real quick, would you rather him or Conchar play? Go. Zaire. For sure. Conchar's not a part of the future. He's fun. I think he's a good player. He's not part of the future. Um, Okay. Agree. (laughs) Lineups. I think the lineup, there's been a lot of uh, Twitter volume on the lineups, especially in the backup rotation. And we mentioned one earlier that just didn't make sense. But I wanted to point out our starting unit, which is Ja, Bain, Melton, Jaron Adams has played 55 minutes total. It's been great. The next closest lineup has played 17 minutes total together. So, like, far and away, we've had one lineup. Everything else past that has been experimental. So, I'm just saying, Grizz fans, don't fret. Don't read into it. Um, The last thing, and I wanted to make a note of this, uh, we might go under 500. When you're listening to this podcast, we might be 2-3. and We're playing Warriors who are 4-0 tonight. Um, I just want to say we started with the Cavs. It was an easy game, not an easy game to start. It's looking like a good win. It's starting to look like a good win, but I'm saying we were supposed to win. However, we just left on a four-game road trip with two sets of back-to-backs, and so that's a really tough stretch to start a season. If we come home two and two from this stretch, it's a success. So I just want to say, like, with the Lakers game, it was heartbreaking how that ended. Uh, the Blazers game was really frustrating because it was winnable. But given the really tough start to the schedule, um, I'm, you know, you got to give some rope there. Um, and then finally, Dylan, a couple of these games, Dylan, we could have used him. Could have used him against the Lakers, could have used him against the Blazers. He was going to be the energy guy. Um, the whole offensive flow conversation, it'll be really fascinating to see how we feel about that point when he's back in the lineup. Will his defense, which needs help right now on our end, on the Grizzlies, we need him on defense. Will his defense make up for a potential uh, offensive, maybe take, you know, back step? But, I mean, also he could hit shots. We'll see. And it could look fine. How many wins we get in this season, Will? 44. 47. 45. You had 47? 45 was my number. I think we improved. That's like a, basically a two and a half game improvement percentage wise. Love it. Last year. Man, lots that we just discussed in a very short amount of time. And we're going to cut it here uh, because the game's about to start and we don't want to miss any of it. Um, go to grizzden.com. You will not be disappointed with the shirts and the this hoodies. This shirt's we have. so good. The shirt is so good. All I can say is it is classic. It is just classic. Can we put Ty as the product image with this shirt tucked in on the site? If you want it to sell, then yeah. Maybe we should tweet with a picture of Ty out with this episode. Tuck we'll your see. shirt in, people. <laughs> it's getting cold. It feels good. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, here's to a Warriors win uh, for Brantley, for Ty. I'm Will. We'll see you very soon.